This is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jett. Hey, how you doing this week? My name is Levi Jet. Welcome back to the industry. So happy you could join us again this week. Um, first time back in a couple of weeks. I've uh, been a busy couple of weeks. I could sit here and make excuses, but I won't. Um, but again, so happy you could join us. Welcome back to another episode. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, I don't know about you, but I might be dying from smoke inhalation from this the wildfire stuff. I'm really tired of it. Um, it's making me sick. My allergies are going crazy. Um, if I was 10 feet from a wildfire or 10 miles from a wildfire, I would die. No question. I would die because of the smoke. I was 50 miles from a wildfire. This smoke is coming in and it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away from us. And it's still having this impact. I remember watching like the uh, apocalyptic type of TV shows that talk about how the world's going to end, stuff like that. And one of the things they always say is, you know, a bunch of super volcanoes erupt or um, even if it's, you know nuclear war or something like that. You know, one of the things that will kind of help kill everything off is going to be the the ash and debris clouds that get into the upper atmosphere and block out the strength of the sun. And I always kind of thought that was horseshit, to be honest, because I, I, I just couldn't imagine, I couldn't picture it. But I'm going to tell you, I mean, seeing what, you know, this little bit of wildfire smoke is doing, I mean, it is a little bit of smoke in the grand scheme of things. It, it has the sun looking so crazy. I mean, when it's really thick and heavy, it's it doesn't get hot. So I could totally see how something like that could straight up uh, mess a lot of things up. You know, cool the cool the temperature down, um, keep some of the sun's rays out, especially if it was widespread and all over the world. That'd be terrible. But this year, so far in the Midwest, summer and spring has been marked pretty much by three things. And that's been the smoke, the drought, and tornadoes. Uh, we just had another severe weather outbreak over the weekend. And I think Indiana is up to 40 tornadoes, uh, confirmed tornadoes so far this year, uh, which I don't have the stats in front of me, but it feels like a lot. It feels like a big number for our state um, this early into the season. Uh, not to say that we don't get storms like that. We obviously do. Uh, but 40 feels like a lot. Feels like a pretty big number. Um, and to a company that hasn't been much much rain. I mean, we, we had the uh, severe weather outbreak back in April, and we just had another one. Uh, and kind of in between that period has been a, a, a moderate drought um 
and not just in Indiana, but you know, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, Kansas, um, and probably a lot of other states to add to that. But you drive around and everyone's grass is dead. Uh, it's just crunchy and, 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 and nasty. So it's, it's been dusty and adding the smoke on, on top of it, man, um, it's really sucked. So I'm really kind of tired of that and hope it goes away pretty soon. Uh, I'm sure the people in Canada are really tired of it, but I'm being selfish and I'm tired of the few days it's affected me. Um, so just a housekeeping note, uh, season one is going to be ending uh, July 18th will be the last episode of season one. So we got a few more uh, to go and then season two, we're uh, going to kind of retool some things. Um, definitely you know, going to get a new intro. I hate the intro for this show. I really do. I, th I thought it was sounded okay uh, when I first got it. And the first few episodes, like, yeah, this is pretty cool. But it, it really, uh, uh, really did not grow on me uh, through the course of uh, 27 episodes so far. Uh, I, I cannot stand the freaking intro. So definitely going to retool and get a new intro in here something I actually like to listen to would be nice. Um, and then just, you know, we're going to do some other stuff too, to, to retool and, and try to come back with a better show, uh, for everyone in season two. You might wonder why I look like I'm recording in a cave. Uh, I am on the road right now. Um, speaking for a snow fighters Institute event up in Michigan. Uh, today was day one of that event. Uh, tomorrow, obviously, day two. Um, and yeah, I'll be doing some uh, talking there about the mock storm training. And then after that, be headed home. So a two-day event. Um, and if you've been curious about snow fighters, um, want to know more about them, you know, look into them. Message me. I'll, I'll tell you all, all you want to know about them. Uh, the events they put on are great. Uh, they're they're very informative, a uh, lot of networking, a lot, lot of lot of time for a lot of Q and A uh, from two guys and Phil Harwood and Neil Glatt that know a, a considerable amount about the industry, and it's um, well worth uh, the money it costs for admission uh, to be able to kind of pick those guys' brains and the the stuff you take away. Uh, from these trainings, very, very, very valuable. So something to look into for sure. Uh, I know there's a lot um, throughout the course of a year. I think they do maybe seven or eight events now um, over the course of a year. And then there is one in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, coming up in September the 6th and the 7th. It's an operations forum, uh, same as the one I'm speaking at in Michigan now. Uh, so if you do want to get your team some operations training, I uh, think that could be useful. Go to the website, uh, snowfightersinstitute.com, uh, I believe, and check into the show in Ben Salem. They also have sales forums and some other things too, some leadership forums. Uh, sales forum is great too. A uh, lot, of, lot of strong content there. Uh, so for, for anyone looking to kind of expand some strategy and some knowledge when it comes to sales, I would highly, highly recommend looking into that.
Um, let's see. And then another housekeeping note, and then we'll get going here. But um, caliber service management, that's my nine to five. We are hiring uh, like crazy. We're growing like crazy. And we need some good people on the team. Uh, one thing about working for Caliber is they don't just hire any scrub off the street. Uh, you you have to fit into the team. You got to bring something to the table. And so you hear me saying that you know we're hiring like crazy. Don't get it wrong. Don't think that we're just gonna you know be willing to hire anybody, pick up anybody. Um, but if you are interested. You know, run over to the website, check out what we're hiring for. We're hiring for field positions, account managers, procurement help. Uh, there's a lot of stuff we're hiring for right now. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, want to throw your name in the hat, go ahead and do so. Again, reach out to me direct. Uh, send me a DM on uh, LinkedIn, and I'll be more than happy to tell you about these positions in greater detail. And get you in touch with uh with human resources to get you an interview um but we are hiring right now caliber is a fantastic place to work uh, it's a managed services company uh trying to go about doing things the right way and doing things the right way makes all the difference in the world let me tell you uh working here has been i mean an absolute breath of fresh air um so again if it seems like something you want learn some more about, know some more about, uh, please reach out to me. I would be happy to, to get you set up with an interview and see, um, see if you'd be a good fit for the team. Uh, but this is an impressive team, so definitely need some talent. Um, all right, so <laughs> what I want to talk about this week um, might not be popular. Uh, it, it's something that I want to make kind of a recurring theme. It's something I want to address more often because I think it's something that does need addressed. And we've been told our whole lives, especially when it comes to work, what we're not allowed to do at work. And sometimes, you know, those, those rules are in place for a good reason. Um, you know, no horseplay. Yeah. Okay. Probably, especially for safety. Right. Um, you know, no harassment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but those are like, you know, corporate policy type rules. What I'm talking about is more like societal rules. And because if you're not paying attention, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the world. I mean a lot of stuff and it just when the world's going crazy it really makes me kind of stop and you know look around and I don't know just really kind of think about I wonder how other people in my neighborhood feel about XYZ I wonder you know makeup of my town in Indiana you know, what people feel about these certain issues. And, but we live in a society that really prevents us from openly talking about these things because it's, it's, it's frowned upon, right? You can't talk politics at work. You can't talk religion. 
can't even talk about your salary amongst your fellow colleagues. And that doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't because it's the easy way out. You know, if, if your employer has a, has a rule that you can't talk about salary, that probably means that more than a few people are being underpaid, right? There, there's big time gaps in wage fairness that's happening at that establishment. Because let's face it, if employee A is making, I don't know, uh, $2,500 or $5,000 more dollars than employee B, you know, employee B at that point has to just step it up. You know, like they got to figure out what employee A is doing differently to get that extra money. It shouldn't turn into this whole big fight and shut everything down. We're adults. You know, we, we, we should be able to take this information and use it to, to get better. But that's just, you know, kind of a small, small example on the surface. What I'm really more frustrated about is the lack of willingness to talk about politics. To talk about who's running for what. To talk about the policies that are being discussed by our nation's leaders and our state's leaders and our community's leaders. We need garage talk. See, garage talk is, and I, it might just be a Midwest thing, I don't know, but it's when, you know, somebody goes out to the garage, opens the garage door, and they just might be out there to stand in the garage, they might be turning a wrench, they might be sweeping out the garage floor, um, whatever, right? Having a beer. But neighbors and, and people around, they see that garage door open and it's like a beacon for them to just kind of, you know, aimlessly walk toward the open garage and join that person in their garage. It's incredibly intrusive, but it's true. It's a fact. It happens. And when that happens, you have conversation. You can't control who your neighbors are. Your neighbors aren't friends you pick. They're your neighbors. So therefore, you have no, uh, again, you can't pick and choose what their political affiliation is. You can't pick and choose what their religion is or what their race is. If they're rich or poor, what kind of job they have. You know, I mean, neighbors are, that's the hand that you're dealt. Whatever, you know, is there, is there. That being said, you're really going to get a candid conversation when you start to talk about things. You're going to get a lot of different points of view, which is good. That's, that's what needs to happen everywhere. But garage talk is the idea of, you know, maybe you're talking about home, relationships, work, 
whatever sports, but it eventually leads to talking about current events. And one of the things in current events is politics, is policy, is stuff happening in your community or your state. And all of a sudden you're having this conversation that you wouldn't ordinarily have, but you're there and you're having the conversation. And what happens from that conversation? You know, it's not like someone says one thing and now everyone's offended in the garage and they all run home. No, they're talking. They might not agree on everything. They probably won't. Let's face it. Think about how many people are in your circle, right? Your circle is, you know, your wife or your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mom and dad, your siblings, um, your best friends. Those are the people in your circle, right? Of those people, how many of those people do you share the same opinion on everything with? My wife and I, we get along fantastically. I mean, fantastic. We're best friends and we agree, I would say, probably on 98.2% of everything of everything but it's not a hundred percent there are some things that we either don't see eye to eye on at all or we don't see eye to eye like we normally would you know it's just a little bit off but again that's my wife not everyone has that I know I'm lucky and fortunate to have that 98.2%. But even, you know, some of my friends, I mean, we are stark differences when it comes to policy and politics. We're different on sports teams. There's a lot of difference. So this notion that you're supposed to, you know, be in these groups that you agree on every little thing it is is made up fairy tale stuff to begin with that just doesn't happen but going back to the neighbor and the garage talk you're going to have debates you're going to exchange ideas now at the end of the day what you're going to find is that you got a lot in common. There's way more that you have in common. And those talks are going to continue. You look at things like politics. You look at race. You look at sex. You look at religion. You look at financial status and financial class. And then within those are, you know, kind of subcategories. They're all tools of division. They are. What would happen if person A, 
who makes $200,000 a year is in the same room and has to have a conversation with person B who makes $25,000 a year. Are they going to fight to the death? Are they going to have no common ground at all to even have a conversation? I don't know about you, but the guy making 25 a year, once he figures out the other guy is making 200,000, he's probably asking questions. You know, how do I get there? What do I have to do to, 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 to get to where you are? But it's a conversation. There's so many things, so much time and effort spent making sure that we don't have conversations that we should be having. There's a lot of stuff happening right now that we should all be paying attention to. There's things happening right now that, frankly, we should all be a little pissed off about. Maybe a lot pissed off. But when it comes down to it, we, we buy into this division, hook, line, and sinker every single time. And, you know, you, you're told, I remember being told, you don't talk politics, you don't talk religion. You don't talk money. Because not doing those things, that's being polite. And there's a lot of other people I know, almost everybody has been told that at some point. And shit, it's so bad that if I were to openly just walk into work and start talking about policy or religion, I might lose my job. I'm at least going to be reprimanded. Why is that allowed to happen? Once again, what's the worst thing that's going to happen at work? If we're having a conversation about policy. Now you can say, oh, well, you're at work. You should be working. Bullshit. You talk about sports. You talk about gossip. You talk about TV. You talk and talk talk all day anyway. So why can't we add a conversation about politics? And then don't get me wrong, like this this isn't a conversion thing, right? I'm not saying that everyone should study up to go try to recruit for their side. That's not what I'm talking about at all. In fact, I'm trying to talk about the opposite, where we limit what sides are. We work to find common ground and common understanding. That's how we're going to have power as a country, as a people. There's a lot of things that need changed, in my opinion. But being able to do that requires some of us getting on the same page. 
once again, we don't have to agree on every single detail. Think about the politicians you vote for, what they say during campaign season, and then hold that against their actual record as they serve. You voted on them because they said they check every box you care about. But were they able to check those boxes during their term? My experience is probably not. So then why does it matter if you're able to find common ground, you're able to have a debate, you're able to have a discussion with someone where you don't agree on 10 items out of 10, where they don't check all the boxes that you want them to check. Who cares? No one else is doing that. No one else is checking all the boxes. Again, we have so much in common as a society. And whoever it is, right, the powers that be work so hard to divide us. Look at the last handful of years. I mean, I mean, really, you can go back as far as you want because we, we've always had problems as a country. And there's always been ways to divide us. I'm not suggesting that, you know, we fix a small little thing and suddenly turn the world around. I'm not suggesting that, you know, <laughs> I'm the person that come up with the idea to, you know, to do it, right? But this just makes sense to me. And it's something that, again, you know, we as a society should be pushing for. Social norms should be that we can talk politics wherever we want. There is no wrong place to talk about politics. There should be no wrong place to talk about religion. There should definitely be no wrong place to talk about money. If more people had conversations about money, I doubt there'd be as many poor people. I doubt there'd be as many people that are, um, you know, financially illiterate. You make dumb decisions with their money. Just the same. I think if more people talked about religion, there would be less tension there. With more knowledge comes more understanding. You have less friction between groups that may have, you know, different ideologies. And then politics. Hey, if you talk them, if you research them, let's face it, if you know if you're going to work or you're going to be involved in garage talk or you're going to a party and someone's definitely bringing up politics. You don't want to look stupid. 
So you're going to do a little bit of research. So you can hold your own when you go to go to have these conversations. Worst case scenario, when it comes time to vote, you're a little bit more informed. Right? Just like money, just like religion. Knowledge is power. We need to be able to hold accountable the people that are in these positions to represent us. And it's very hard to do that when we're so divided. So a, a quick story to kind of reinforce this point. So I used to coach football. Um, it's been like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now, maybe. Coached for one season. Um, the reason is because I did it as a volunteer, didn't get paid for it. But that job was damn near seven days a week. Um, made it really hard. I mean, it was like 2.30 p.m. to about 8 or 9 at night, uh, Monday through Thursday. You had the game on Friday. You had a JV and freshman game on Saturday. And then, um, then you watch varsity film on Saturday. And then Sunday, we had a coach's meeting. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty high intensity volunteer type of position, but I wanted to do it and, you know, I held out, right? Well, along the way, I, I met this guy named Kyle Morgan and uh, he went to, you know, the, the same school we were coaching for, as did I. He graduated a few years before I did. And we never really, we, we never crossed paths <clears throat> during our time at Anderson. And, you know, we, um, he was a first year coach too. And I don't know, just kind of a happens chance thing. Um, you know, we kind of got, you know, paired up at one point and started talking and before you know it you know because he was also a barber and you know i went to him to get my hair cut and then before you know it you know we're hanging out you know two three times a week you know primarily talking about football that's all we you know talked about for a long time then the conversation started to change you know a little bit of life maybe a little bit of relationship stuff. But very quickly, it got to politics. Very quickly. Now, not that it matters, but to add context, you know, Kyle was, he was mixed with one white parent, one black parent. You know, and he tended to vote Democrat ticket. And so a lot of the political conversations we had were really interesting. 
You know, I at that time believed that I was voting Republican, even though since then I've kind of shifted kind of in between a Republican and a Libertarian is my personal political stance. And really at this point, I'm for whoever can get the job done. But we would have, you know, some pretty lively conversations. And we would always talk about, you know, sitting there and thinking, man, you know, how much effort over the years has went into making sure that the two of us never met, never had a conversation like this, never got to have a better understanding of kind of the other side. It's a lot of work that went into that stuff to make sure that there were barriers in place. And every day there, there, there's a new barrier in place for us. And again, most of us, we just saddle up and say, okay, cool. I'm good with it. But you shouldn't be. And we, as a society, as a people, need to spend a lot more effort in figuring out how to tear down those walls, how to maneuver those obstacles, and remove barriers like that. Next week, I will be back with another episode of The Industry, so be sure to tune in next week. This has been The Industry.